Parents, do you ever feel a bit stumped when it comes to raising a son to be a man? Well, this can be especially true if you're a single mom. If you're feeling this way, you're really going to enjoy this episode. David and Stephen Arms are a father-son duo who authored the book Milestone to Manhood. David Arms is a Catholic deacon. He invented the Rite of Passage Weekend that the book focuses on in order to create an opportunity for fathers to affirm their son's masculinity. Stephen Arms lives in Portland, Oregon with his wife, Emily, and is the proud father of two young children. In Milestone to Manhood, Stephen shares his firsthand experience of his Rite of Passage weekend and reflects on how it shaped him into the man that he is today. Well, my guests today are Dave and Stephen Arms, and we're going to be talking about Milestone to Manhood, their wonderful, wonderful book. Uh, Dave and Stephen, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us. You bet. Dave, I would like to first start out with you. Was this your brainchild? Was it Stephen's brainchild? Or how did this book come to be? Well, the book came to be after we had actually conducted several of these rites of passages. Um, the initial idea, I would say, I shared it with my father-in-law um, when I was seeking a way to connect with my sons as they were pre-teens, wanted to do it in a special way, and we kind of brainstormed together and came up with this idea. Great. Explain to us what the idea is and explain to us what you do as you transition or help a young boy go through the passage to manhood. Okay. So Milestone to Manhood is a way to help fathers connect with their sons through what's called a Christian rite of passage. And it's a blueprint. Our book is basically a blueprint that specifically instructs uh, a dad how to do this for their 13-year-old son. And uh, the idea is that throughout this young man's life, he'll be able to look back at this specific point in time that he became a man. Uh, and, and, and the book also outlines specifically how the steps to take to do this and the specific events that, that occurred during our rites of passage um, can be modified for any family, but it's, it's like a kind of a turnkey. You could walk right into this and use it for your family. And uh, it's an instruction on how to do this for your son. Mm -hmm. So you want to grow closer to your son. You want to um, have a better relationship. But other than that, you know, we have bar mitzvahs for um, Jewish men and sons. Is this sort of the Christian version of the bar mitzvah? Yes, in a way, it, it's a bit different in that there's not so much preparation on the part of the son. Um, the preparation is mostly on the part of the adults doing the weekend. In fact, um, the son is actually surprised by the weekend. Uh, there's a lot of elements of surprise on the weekend. But there are certain rituals that we do during the weekend that uh, offer some challenges for the son, um, which is common with the bar mitzvah. We kind of looked at different rites of passages when we were developing this. And um, we just noticed that there were certain elements. And, you know, one element would be to uh, take the take the boy out of his zone or out of his comfort zone. So we would take him to a place that he had never been. Um, we wanted him to uh, accomplish some kind of a uh, a challenge, like you know, with the bar mitzvah. There's reciting and interpretation and that kind of thing. 
but we wanted to tailor it. We just searched around and there's really, A, not that many rites of passages out there anymore, and B, really nothing for you know the Catholic community. So we wanted to, to own it. We wanted it to have a, a Catholic Christian twist to it, um, but also meet all the elements of what successful rites of passages around the world have had. Mm-hmm. Stephen, I assume you did this with your dad. Is that correct to say? Yeah, that's correct. So when I was 13 years old, my dad surprised me with a rite of passage weekend. And the rite of passage weekend, it wasn't just my dad, but my grandfather and two of my uncles uh, were in attendance as well. So um, it was all of the male role models in my life at the time. Awesome. So did they prep you for this? Did they tell you, oh, on this weekend, we're going to be doing this? So how did you know what you were getting into or beforehand? No, not at all. Actually, it was a complete surprise for me. So I had no idea that this weekend was coming. And actually, you know, I I have an older brother who had a rite of passage weekend as well. And so after he turned 13 and officially became a man in the family, it was his responsibility to keep the weekend a secret from his younger brothers. And that's actually part of uh, the secret sauce of the weekend is that it is a secret from the boy. Um, It's meant to make the boy feel special and make him feel like this weekend was all about him. You know, if the boy knew that the weekend was coming, um, he might be a little bit jaded by the experience. Um, He might feel like, oh, everyone gets something like this. But when it's a surprise, then it makes the boy feel that much more special and unique and loved. So tell us about the first 12 hours of the weekend. What happened? When did you know you're going to be going? And when did you know, oh, this is a very special weekend. It's my rite of passage. Walk us through the first 12 hours, basically, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. So it started with my dad inviting me on a camping trip, just the two of us. That's how he got me out of the house and on a weekend trip with him. When we we were driving up and we stopped at a diner for breakfast and sitting in the booth next to us was my grandfather and my two uncles. (laughs) And when I saw them, I had, you know, the look of total shock and confusion on my face. Like, what are you guys doing here? You know? Um, they invited us into the booth and the, and then my grandfather told me, you're actually not going on a one-on-one camping trip with your dad this weekend. You're going on a rite of passage weekend that we've organized for you. And by the end of this weekend, you are going to be considered a man in this family, just like the rest of us here. Mm. So that was the first moment that I realized like, oh, this is more than just a camping trip. This is something really special called a rite of passage weekend. Mm-hmm. So you all went camping together, correct? Or did you not go camping together? So my dad had actually rented a cabin. Um, mm-hmm. It was so not quite as rustic as camping, but it was still out there, you know, a few hours away from where I grew up in our hometown. Dave, was this your father who went with you, your your uh, father-in-law? How did you decide which men you were going to pick to take Stephen on this rite of passage? Because those had to be special people. Very much so. We, you really want to be careful who you invite on this weekend, for sure. 
I was fortunate. It was my father-in-law. Um, he was a really a great man. He had raised four beautiful daughters that had, you know, strong faith and just had a successful marriage and family. And it was something that, uh, you know, that's what I looked for. I longed for when I was uh, seeking a, a wife. And uh, mm -hmm. this, my wife's wonderful and her family also. And, you know, he just did, did such a good job in, in, in everything, but particularly in raising his family. And I just kind of latched onto that, saw him as a mentor. So we did this together. And yes, we are also fortunate that, uh, that our, that my brothers-in-law are also, you know, practicing faithful Catholics. So that fit really easy for us. Mm -hmm. Had they been through a rite of passage or had you been through one or was this uh, your first introduction, just sort of teaching it through and not having been a recipient? Yeah, so our eldest son was the first to ever go through this. Mm -hmm. And then after we would do each rite of passage, after the weekend was over, maybe a week or so later, we would have a, a debriefing session with, with the adults that were there that could make it. And with the son that had gone on the trip with us, we'd go out to lunch or something and just kick around, okay, let's talk about the weekend. What went right? What would have, you know, was, was there anything that you were uncomfortable with? What could we have done that would have made it more special for you? So we kind of refined it every time we did it. Um, now we've done six of these rites of passages and all of the debriefs and other things. So we've kind of got it, you know, tweaked. We think that mm -hmm. it's a really good program. Um, it got a little bit better and better every time. Yeah. But yeah. So the first day, is it mostly lectures and talks? Is it actually hiking? Is it talking and hiking? Do you have an agenda for the day? Dave, so so kind of tell us what happens the first day. Sure, we do have an, a specific agenda, not just for the first day, but for the whole weekend. Mm -hmm. What it typically looked like for us is again, like Steve said, we'd go out, stop for breakfast, then the cat's out of the bag. We'd go up to our destination and on the way, we might do an event, some kind of a fun event like fishing. In, in the case of Steve's, we went fishing on a lake. Uh, we had a cabin that was uh, you could only get to on a boat. Um, so after the fun event, the kind of the ritual started before we actually entered the cabin, we had a ceremony in which we um, I read a, an, a passage from the book of Exodus about Moses seeing the burning bush. And um, we established that inside the cabin was going to be sacred ground. So we would remove our shoes. And for the weekend, we'd be in the cabin without our shoes and we wouldn't put them back on until we left on Sunday. Uh, and again, fire was an important aspect. So we'd have Steve start a fire and it was his responsibility to make sure that the fire stayed burning all throughout the weekend. Um, mm. The fire was important because it represents the Holy Spirit. And we just wanted him to be cognizant that God is with us this whole weekend long. So one of his responsibilities then was, like I said, to keep the fire going. So he would actually devise shifts for us in the middle of the night. Okay, dad, from 2 to 3 p 3 a.m., that's your job to keep the fire going. And Uncle Dan from 3 to 4. So we would enter the cab and start the fire. Typically, we would have dinner. And again, he would decide, okay, who's going to cook? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do the dishes? Um, who's going to clean up? And then after dinner, we would go into each one of our talks. So the first talk basically was we'd go around the room. Each of us would share in our own words, what it means to be a man. And just maybe some of the trials we had gone through, uh, some of the elements of masculinity uh, that, that we wanted to bestow on him. 
So that would that would be our first uh, our first session, if you will. And then we would take a break. Um, and then the second session, we would uh, I, I bestowed a gift upon my son. Um, I was fortunate that my father had left me uh, a coin collection. So I had several coins that I could give them. It was something that would represent something that meant something to me that was not only valuable, but had sentimental value to me. And that by giving it to my son, um, I could show him that I trust that he has a responsibility to take care of this now. Um, so then, each, again, each man would uh, would share at, at that point also. Um, and so by now, it's getting pretty late in the evening, and that evening ends with us giving him this box full of letters that had been previously written by all the significant adults in his life. So his aunts, his mom, his grandmothers, um, even people that uh, outside of the family that were important to them. So in Steve's case, his his Boy Scout troop master, um, football coaches, whatever. So he has this stack of letters and it's kind of daunting and overwhelming to read all those letters at the time, but he's got these to look at and uh, cherish throughout his life actually. And, and um, the letter aspect is really good because all these letters of encouragement telling him, you know, how much he means to all these people and some advice they might give him and, you know, inviting him to come to them if they ever need counsel or, or whatever the case may be. Um, and even later in life now, a couple of the people that wrote the letters are, are no longer with us. They passed on. And so he has these letters as mementos of his, um, you know, grandparents that have, that have passed. Mm. Do you take women? <laughs> I want to do this. <laughs> no, no, it sounds great. So, Stephen, as you're going through, I'm, I'm trying to picture you, this 13-year-old boy sitting there with all these men, and you've got this fire, and you're given these, you know, this beautiful coin collection. I would imagine that what you're learning about manhood is through the words they're telling you, but also through the actions that you see them do. What did you learn about manhood just by watching your dad and by watching your um, your grandfather? Yeah, uh, good question. Well, to start, I'll, I'll say that we do we have organized rite of passage events for the the women of the family as well, um, but that was separate, right? So my dad and I never attended a female version of a rite of passage, but those do exist, and we do talk about that in the book. So. It, it is possible for you to go on one of these, Great. Dr. Meg. <laughs> yeah. um, but to answer your question, what I saw in my dad and in my grandfather and in my uncles, for one, they each had very strong faiths. And I could tell that that was an element, an essential element that made their marriages successful and made them successful as men and made them um successful in their relationships with friends, I could tell that their faith changed who they were and it was an essential element of all of them. So seeing that in them gave me a great, uh, it, gave, it was a great role model for me. It painted a picture of what manhood should be. And I could tell that faith was at the center of it. There's a lot of other elements of manhood that I learned from them. Um, I would say each of them value honesty, um, integrity. They're all hardworking men. They all have healthy 
marriages. They all, you know, had good jobs and were supporting a family. So I would say that seeing those four men in my life, it really set the bar for me. And it said, you know, in this family, this is what it means to be a man. This is what we expect from you now that you're going to be a man. And it was something that I could grow into as I progressed through my teens and through my 20s. I had this vision of what manhood is because A, not only were they great examples of that manhood, but B, they used their words over the weekend and they were specific in saying, this is what it means to be a man. Well, that brings up a great topic because if we were to talk about this 10 years ago, it would have been no brainer. Everybody goes, I get it, I get it. But now, you know, there's a hot debate going on in the country about is there manhood? Should there be manhood? Is manhood just womanhood? And there's a blurring of the lines. So Dave, tell us what you were bringing Stephen into as a man and how would you describe what genuine manhood is and is it separate from womanhood? Yeah, it absolutely is, Megan. Of course, uh, you know, that wasn't, like you said, it, when we started doing this 20 years ago, it wasn't mm-hmm. an issue. Um, and because it is an issue now, I think it's even more important that we do this for our sons, that we want to affirm their role, their positive masculinity on them, the virtuous masculinity that, that our society is so um, needful of, that, uh, that, yeah, it's more important than ever to do now. So again, you know, like Steve said, we, we, we did it by, basically by example and by, by word and, you know, um, things that he could remember. For example, one of the rituals that we do is called the ribbon ceremony. And in it, we had, before we went into the cabin, each one of us picked a stick about three feet long. And we had previously prepared six ribbons each. And on each ribbon, we would write three attributes about us that we thought were positive and three attributes that we saw in ourselves that we thought were negative, that we'd like to, you know, amend our lives to. So it might be something like, you know, hard worker, uh, faithful, and um, honest might be our three. And then, you know, impatient, um, whatever, Mm. whatever the three bad Mm. ones are. And so we, so we would explain each one of these virtues or vices and how we saw them in ourselves. And we'd invite our son to, you know, are any of these qualities something that you would like to uh, take on in your manhood? So he would take ribbons off of our sticks and the ribbons that he left, we would burn in this fire that we had going, making a vow to all the men of the family at right then and there that, uh, you know, these are things that we identify as our weaknesses, but we're working on setting them right. And we also know that we have each other's backs as far as, as helping us do so. Was it hard for you, Dave, as a dad, to expose your failures to your son in those three ribbons? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a little bit uncomfortable. It, it, you know, it got easier as we did the, the weekends, of course. But the fact, you know, one of the elements of having the other men in the in the group really helped to be able to kind of, uh, you know, break that break that anxiety anxiety mm-hmm. down. And, you know, just knowing ahead of time that we had planned this out and what that was going to look like, you know, we had kind of run through what that weekend's going to look like each phase of it with my father-in-law before we ever went on it. So it's just like, yeah, I mean, 
even if that feels a little uncomfortable, just run through it. And, you know, we're doing this for the greater good. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I, w- I would just recommend that anybody who kind of looks at this idea and might, might be intrigued about it, but is not confident that maybe you can pull it off or it might be a little uncomfortable to just, you know, look at the bigger picture here. This is something that your son is going to look back on throughout the rest of his life. And it hopefully is going to help shape the man that he becomes, not just as a teenager, but through his college years, who he ends up marrying, how he raises his children, and, you know, all all that is included. Parents, I hope you're enjoying my conversation with David and Stephen Arms. I need to take a quick break, but stay put. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Parenting Great Kids. My guests today are David and Stephen Arms, and we're discussing their book, Milestone to Manhood. Stephen, looking back on it, I know what you feel pressure to say because your dad is here with us, but being honest, how did it change your life? How did your life change after that weekend, or did it? So I would say that primarily it was a long-term investment. I think that You know, as a teenager, I kind of thought that everybody, every teenage boy got something like this. I thought it was normal, right? Because that's Mm -hmm. the family that I grew up in. But it wasn't until maybe my early 20s that I started to realize that not not a lot of men have ever been told by another man that they are now a man. And that was a great gift that my family gave to me. Um, For one, I would say that it gave me a lot of confidence in my masculine identity. So I remember being a teenager, 14, 15, 16 years old, and you know, teachers or adults outside of the family would, you know, just offhandedly call me a boy. You know, they would say, Boy, settle down, you know, in class or at Boy Scouts, they would say, Boy, settle down. And every time an adult said that, immediately the first thought in my mind was I'm, I'm not a boy, I'm a man. My dad told me, I'm not a boy, you know? And one time I actually, in Boy Scouts, one of the parents said, boy, settle down. And I spoke up and I said, we're not boys, we're men. And yeah. the parent, she, I mean, he totally rolled with it. He started calling us young men from then on. Mm-hmm. Um, so for one, I would say that I had a lot of confidence in my masculine identity growing up. I never questioned my status as a man. Um, The second way that I would say that it really affected my life was that I really walked away from that weekend with a very strong relationship with my dad, my grandfather, and my two uncles. Um, I think because they opened up to me first, they talked about their strengths, but also their weaknesses. They talked about their stories about their own journey on manhood that I felt comfortable later in my life to open up to them and seek counsel to them. For me, that wasn't until I got into college. When I was in college, you know, I was meeting new people, trying new experiences. And like a lot of people, I started to doubt, you know, the beliefs that I was raised with. Um, I started to doubt my belief in God. And I wasn't sure how my mom and dad were gonna react to me having questions about my faith. You know, I thought, well, what if they're angry? What if they're disappointed? I don't want to disappoint them. But I also knew that I needed to bring the questions that I had to someone who could help me. I couldn't go through this alone. And 
ultimately it was in college, I remembered back to that 13 year old rite of passage experience and how my dad and my grandfather told me, if you ever need advice, if you ever feel like you're going through a tough time, please come to us and we will help you through it. We have your best interest at heart and we love you unconditionally. It was those words that I remembered that gave me the confidence to go back to them and say, dad, grandpa, I'm having some questions and I don't really know what's going on. Can you please help me? You know, and they weren't able to answer every single of my questions, but they were able to kind of get me back on track and share more about their own personal beliefs. You know, hindsight is 2020. I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't approached them, but uh, I would say that there's a good chance that I would not be practicing my faith today if it wasn't for this weekend. So I have a, an odd question for you, Stephen. Could you have done this with your mother and your aunt and grandmother instead of the men? How would it have been different? You know, I mean, yeah, it could have, I, they could have done it for sure. I don't think that it would have had the same effect. For I would say, simply put, because my mom and my grandmother are not men, you know? If they told me that I was a man, I'm not sure that I would have believed it in the same way that if my dad and my grandfather told me, because those were clearly men in my life, right? I never questioned their manhood. I knew that this is a man and this is someone I look up to. So hearing it come from them, I think those were the people in my life that God placed there to affirm my own masculine identity. And I'm so grateful that they stepped up to the plate when I was 13 and, and did this weekend for me. I love your answer. And I wanted to ask you that because there are a lot of women who say, you know, we can give our sons exactly what a dad can. We are equal in stature in our son's eyes. But in my experience, kids feel this just from a kid's perspective that when their mom tells them something they have to say it so kids tend to pass it off and particularly sons um there's a sense that they need to have the affirmation of a man in order to become a man i'm not putting mothers down but there's a very different response that boys get from their dads telling them something then their mothers telling them something so dave let's say you are talking with a mom at your church she's a single mom she's got a 15 year old son he's giving her a hard time um which often boys do because they want to push against something and see how hard somebody can push back and they tend to push their moms over more what would you do with a boy of a single mom? Is there a group or are there men who would take him away? Or how would you approach that? A son with no dad in his life. Yeah, sure. And that son probably needs it more than anyone. And yeah, I would recommend that, yes, yeah, she do connect with some men in her church that she looks up to as being the kind of man that I would like my son to be, um, you know, molded into and you know asking if they would be interested in doing something like this i think it'd be great if there was a network of guys that could do this maybe even just in the in the parishes knights of columbus council would be this would be a great thing for them to take on 
But yeah, Meg, I think that would be um, essential and, and amazing. In fact, one of our uh, nephews is in that situation. He, you know, he's raised by a single mom. And, um, but of course, his uncles and his grandfather were able to do this for him. And then, of course, his cousins that had been through the rite of passage now that are anywhere between, you know, mid to early 20s um, are, are pulling these male role model uh, positions for him, too. So, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a more of a challenge for a single mom. But like I say, probably even more needed and, and should be seeked out if possible. Um, one thing, you know, not to be self-serving, but one thing about the book is that, you know, a section of the book is specifically about Stephen's experience from the perspective of a 13 year old. But the rest of the book is mostly here's a how to manual about how to do this. And once you break it down and you say, hey, there's a plan here and this is what I do at this point, And, you know, nine months from the event, this is how I plan it. Six months from the event, here's the exact emails that I send to the people that are going to participate. Do this three months, do this one month, do this one week. So there is there is a structure in place already, so it's not this overwhelming task. So if, uh, if a gentleman could see how it's broken down and say, you know what, this isn't going to be easy, but it's, it's doable. Uh, you know, you're absolutely right. The book is very clear. Um, you know, you have 13 chapters and you talk exactly about, you know, entrance ceremony, lighting the fire, what it means to be a man. And so it's, it's quite easy, I would think, I've never done it, but for a man in your parish to come along and, um, and do that either with his son or how lovely would it be if they would reach out to other boys and say, you know, we'll take you on this, we'll walk you through this. How could we get this program in every parish across America? That's my question to you, because it's so important. I believe with all of my heart that fatherlessness is one of the top three most uh, important problems that we need to solve because it it would end a lot of violence it would end a lot of drug use it would um, help families um, you know be strong again because truly in the inner cities you've got a whole lot of mad young men who are out of control and my sense and people may disagree i don't care but my sense is the only way to really bring a lot of those boys back into control is through the presence of men um was it in louisiana where they had the the, the boys in a school in high school that were totally out of control and then 40 dads said we're each going to take a day and we're just going to walk the halls boom within days you know, there was order restored in the school and it was simply the presence of a man. So those who are listening who say, oh, come on, you know, a man isn't different from a woman. A boy isn't different from a girl. We can blend them. That's just not true. And everybody knows it. Every, particularly kids know it because they respond very differently to men and to women. And it, even though it's kind of hard sometimes to articulate the difference, everybody knows that so in just the last few remaining moments that we have Stephen, give me three ways that a man is different from a woman if you had to say here here are the three things that separate a man from a woman or or character qualities or whatever that the man has that a woman doesn't 
I know I'm putting you on the spot. What would those be? That's okay. I would say for one, um, physical strength. You know, I think that boys see men and they see, wow, this guy is strong. Like he could probably beat me up, you know? And that leads to number two, which would be, they're a little bit more of an authority figure. You know, oftentimes the the role of disciplinarian falls onto the the father's shoulders, you know? And so I think that boys, maybe because the father's bigger and stronger, they also see him as uh, more of a, an authority figure. And I would say number three is that men are called to be natural leaders. They're called to be the head of the household and they're not called to be passive. Um, not that women aren't either, you know, but I think that men are uniquely called to be the leaders of their families. Mm -hmm. Love it. Is there anything you want to add, Dave? Would you add number four or five or six onto that list? Um, you know, I, I would just say that traditionally it, it looks as if, you know, the man is just naturally, again, I don't want to be controversial here, but equipped, equipped to be the provider and protector. Um, and that, you know, Meg, it really just boils down to you can't give what you don't have. So, um, you know, not again, and, and we could take it, let's go this direction. We've also been involved in planning these weekends for the nieces in our family. And we weren't qualified to pull that weekend off because we couldn't give them what it means, you know, to be nurturing, what it means to be caring. I mean, you know, as in that role model. So um, we just felt that it was appropriate for us to do it for the boys and for them to do it for the girls. And it's a natural fit and the formula worked. Yes. It does work. And I just wanted to give you that opportunity for those who are listening that, you know, really still question the, the difference between a man and a woman. The book we're talking about is Milestone to Manhood, a Christian rite of passage to help your 13-year-old son make the leap from boyhood to manhood. And it is a leap. Um, my guests are Stephen and Dave Arms, father and son team here. Your book is fabulous. As, as I said, I would love for every parish and church in the country to adopt a program like this because our boys need it. We have to get our boys on the right track. And it comes through being with men who can teach you what being a man is all about. So Stephen and Dave, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Dr. Meeker. Thanks for having us. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with David and Stephen Arms. Let's go over my points to ponder. One, boys need male influence. Sometimes we forget that boys, particularly during the teen years, need a man to show them how to be a good man. We moms tend to think that we can give our kids everything they need, but this isn't true, particularly when it comes to sons. Boys need male influence, and the best thing that we moms can do for our sons is to encourage them to spend time with their dads. But if they don't have a dad or a father who's a bad influence, then find a man you can trust to help spend time with your son. Two, Talk about healthy male character. Men are different from women. What we give our sons as moms is very different from what dads gives their sons. 
Boys need to separate from their mothers emotionally for a time during the teen years because they want to be independent. And part of that independence comes from knowing they can do things without their mother's help. Three, when your son's about 13 to 14, treat him differently. Often we coddle our teen boys. They never learn the sense that they must transition into manhood. When we tell them that at 13 or 14, they're now entering a stage where they will become a man, it gives them the confidence. And this confidence makes them feel strong. And it enables them to embrace life that is different from when they were a child. I want to thank my guests, David and Stephen Arms, for joining me on the show today. You can find out more about them and order their book by visiting milestonetomanhood.com. Milestonetomanhood.com. Let's review my points to ponder. One, boys need male influence. Two, talk about healthy male character. And three, when your son is around 13 to 14, treat him differently. Parents, if you need help or encouragement or answer to any of your questions about your kids or relationships, go to meekerparenting.com. I have courses and tips and blogs and more to help you. And if you know a dad who needs encouragement while you're on my website, check out my brand new Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters Masterclass. And always remember that great kids are raised, not born. 